You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore uh, daddy. So today we're just looking at how in the world do we beat this Goliath of a team, the Chicago Bears. They're so good. They just, they're on like a, what is it, like a two-game winning streak or something? They're so good. I don't know, and the Packers have only won, you know, like two games recently. So obviously, huge difference there. The fact of the matter is the Packers have only won two games like five times, and the Bears have won seven games. So five, seven, you know, pretty close, but I'd have to give that one to the Bears. In all seriousness, they have won four out of their last five, which accounts for more than half of the wins they have on the entire season. However, you beat the Lions twice and you beat the Giants. The only game that's kind of like a, "Mm, that's somewhat impressive, would be last week's win at the Dallas Cowboys. Also because they put up 31 points, which is impressive for the Bears, but it's not the first time they did that, right? I talked about it before. They went up 31 against the Washington Redskins. Every reason to believe this is a very good football team. Again, this was week three. So we thought they were really good when we beat them, because obviously now we're really good because we beat this dominant team. And then they beat the Broncos, and then they annihilate the, the Redskins, and it's like, dude, the Bears are so good. We were wrong then. Good chance we're not correct about them being very good right now. Better, maybe? Sure. And I went over all that if you want more in-depth about individual players and how Trubisky is kind of getting better, but he's very far from being like a really good quarterback. Go back to the episode from a couple days ago. But today is a little bit more just about little broader strokes. How do we win? Maybe talking about a couple other things. For example, why is it so hard to adjust a game plan? Stuff like that. Also, I'm going to need to hurry through this because I just found a link that apparently you can download StarCraft for free, and if that works, I'm going to be busy, at least until my wife wakes up and tells me to be an adult. So, very small time frame. we got to work this in here. Preliminaries. Um, I want to thank you all for your iTunes reviews. I'm sure some of you had given me reviews before when I had scolded you, but I think iTunes has a delay. I'm pretty sure it used to be, like, daily that this thing would update. Now they just come in bunches. So we went from um, 296 for, like, a week to 303 in a day. So I'm guessing it's maybe like once a week it updates. But anyways, thank you. We are over the 300 mark. I don't know if you know this, but I've been monitoring this for some time. I don't have the most reviews, but this is the highest rated Packers podcast on iTunes. If you take into account rating number one and how many ratings number two, I think Blue 58 is a 4.9. That's a good podcast. But I don't think there's any others, at least for podcasts that have you know, there's a couple that have like five or six or seven or 10 or 20 reviews that have 4.9 or five. But um, anyways, thank you very much for all that. Make sure you are in the Facebook group. And also I'm, I'm dedicating a lot of my time and energy to the Facebook page. It's very clunky and, and a mess right now, but I'm trying to hone that in to make that kind of a cool little hub. Um, I'm trying to get some news 
sent over there so that you can get, you know, Packers news over there. Basically want it to be kind of like Packernet, but just on my Facebook page. And I'm also trying to hone in on this uh, chatbot technology. It's harder than it you would think. Also, I'm a bit of a dummy. But I think there's an opportunity there to, to really have a lot of fun and do some cool stuff. The biggest thing I really want to be able to do is if, and I can't use it, I can't interact with you unless you message me first. So if you find the Packernet podcast page, just send the page a message. You're going to get a bunch of gobbledygook back. If they ask for your email, don't give me your email. I don't want your email. That was just an automated thing. Just ignore it. Send me obnoxious messages, whatever. I don't care. But the main goal of it will be, you know, to be able to send out an immediate blast to, you know, because I don't think it's small terms, a thousand people with a little poll in it. Who's going to win? You know, I can send that out the day before an episode and then come back the next day and, and look at these kinds of things. I just think that'd be kind of cool. That's the main thing. I'm sure there are better reasons to use a bot, but that's all I can really think about right now. I think that'd be really cool to be able to have that many people at my fingertips for that kind of stuff. So, like everything else, it's a slow build. Slowly built up to nearly 700 episodes, slowly built up over 300 iTunes reviews. I'm getting used to the slow grind. What else? Is there anything else? Oh yeah, it's the last day for Una Zipper the Rip Snorter to claim his prize. Otherwise, tomorrow we're doing another giveaway. So if, you, if you're not following me on Instagram... You can still get in there because I'm just using a random number generator, and if your number comes up, you win. So you can still sneak in, technically. I wouldn't know the difference. I think that's it. Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. Last call, ladies and gentlemen. If you're planning on going to the Bears-Packers game, you might want to make that decision now-ish. I know you've already downloaded the Vivid Seats app. I know you're already enrolled in the rewards. It's time to make a decision. What are you going to do? Now, as always, if you are going, I'd love to hear about it. Make sure you get in the Facebook group, show us pictures, videos, whatever you got. We love seeing that. But I don't want you to make the mistake of thinking I'm not talking to you. Just stop for a second and think, what if? What if I just went on there and bought a couple tickets and went to the game tomorrow? What if I did that? I think it would be awesome. That's what I think. If you're on the fence, get the app, check out the prices, check out the seats, see what's available. If you're interested, make sure you use promo code OVERTIME. That's overtime, in case you couldn't hear me slurring for some weird reason. And you can receive up to $100 off your purchase. So check it out, see what you got, let me know what you're doing. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So for those of you that are wondering, yes, you can download StarCraft for free. That is a thing. I'm talking original. Throwback. Throwback throwdown. That's what that's what's just... Well, that's what happened for about the last half hour, but I'm back, and we're going to do this. So if you've been listening, you know one of the things that I like to do is look at some correlations. At what point do teams win? At what point do teams lose? Now, the Bears, and I know I've been ragging on their defense, and I I want to again clarify, 
Their defense is very good. It's nowhere near what it was last year. I also think it is overperforming based on the talent level. That is to say, if you just look at the individual pieces and you compare the pieces to other teams and you were to just do a blind test based on PFF grades, you don't know who the players are. I just showed you this team with the corner grades, the defensive line grades, linebacker grades, all this stuff. You probably would guess that this is, although they are ninth in yards. If you're going based on yards, they're ninth, they're fourth in points, which I think is more important. You probably would not say this is a top five defense. Points-wise, they technically are. All that matters is how they perform anyways, but that is to say, in my mind, they're regressing and that will continue. Sort of like how the Packers have some 2018 hangovers. I think the Bears' defense has a little bit of that 2018 hangover, but in a more positive way. Irrelevant, however. The the biggest reason I want to bring that up, though, is the first thing I want to look at is points. And and the thing that I am talking about with points is at what point do the Bears win and at what point do the Bears lose? The line for the Bears, because of their defense, is very, very low. And the fact that this team isn't a 10-win team right now is really a sad indictment on their offense. The team right now, the Chicago Bears right now, are 7-3 and three when the offense scores 16 points. 7-3. and three. The offense is asked to do almost nothing. They have only lost two games this year when the Bears have scored more than 20 points. Four of their six losses have come when the offense has scored 16 or less points. They lost to the Chargers scoring 16, the Eagles scoring 14, the Rams scoring 7, and the Packers scoring 3. So clearly the the problem, and this isn't a surprise, but it just kind of goes to show the magnitude of the problems with the offense. However, it also goes to show the potential the Chicago Bears still have to be a good team. Because if they can just build an offense, structure an offense that can score 20 points, this is a playoff caliber team. This is a team that's in the playoffs this year if they just get to 20 points. The problem is they have gotten, in 13 games, they have gotten to 20 or more points six times. Seven times they have been less than 20 points. They have been able to get to 20 points less than half the time so far this year. And I know the idea, well, they're a better offense now, therefore, blah, blah, blah. No, not necessarily. In their first six games, they reached 20 points or more three times. In their last six games, they got to 20 points or more three times. One of those games was exactly 20 points. In three of those six games, 19-7 and 14 is what they scored. Now, yes, the last two games in a row, they've been over 20. That's true. Again, the one is the anomaly against the Dallas Cowboys, which is impressive, but it also, there are outlier games every single week. So I, I guess the question you have to ask with the Dallas Cowboys game is this. Was that a freakish anomaly which happens every single week in which a team that is not very good looks very good, and a team that historically or traditionally this year has had a very good defense shows up to have a very bad defense, especially when we're talking about a Thursday game, which are historically goofy. Did the Bears seriously have back-to-back Thursday night games? No. Why does that say Thursday? It's definitely not a Thursday. Anyways, so it's a Thursday game. It is a Dallas Cowboys team that is in complete collapse, and maybe this is somewhat of an anomaly, or... This is a team who has done absolutely nothing all year offensively, with the exception of playing really, really bad teams, that suddenly is a great offense. I guess we don't know the answer, but if I were to just look at it from a more statistical probability standpoint, I'd say it's an outlier. The odds that Mitch Trubisky suddenly is a great quarterback after being one of the worst the NFL has seen, very unlikely. And then you add PFF data into that, which says that Mitch Trubisky is not a very good quarterback, and he didn't actually perform that well against Dallas. In fact, the only good player on this entire offense is their one wide receiver. I don't know. 
Can we can see that they're improving a little bit? Sure. Did they go from a team that can't score 20 points in half of their games to a team that scores 31 points regularly and that should be feared? Nah, I don't think so. Now, this isn't to say they can't score 31 points against the Packers. They've done it twice this year. Of course, it can happen. I'm just trying to say, what is this team on a week-to-week basis? Is this a team that scores 16, 17 points a week, or is this a team that scores 27, 28, 31? No, I still think this is the team that struggles to get to 20. Again, this is just a team three weeks ago that got 19 points against the Giants. They got 24 points against the Lions. That defense is obliterated. They have nothing. Their secondary is pathetic. 24 points. And that, that game, Mitch Trubisky looked pretty solid. 331 yards, right? He graded out really well. Again, against a really bad secondary. Defense in general. They don't have a pass rush. They got nothing. Well, you know what? They did have back-to-back Thursdays because that was Thanksgiving. I was going to say, there's no Thursday game at noon, but there is if it's Thanksgiving. There you go. That's nuts. So that's another factor to consider. Although Dallas had a... Dallas played Thanksgiving too, didn't they? So never mind. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking through some stuff. Don't mind me. So that's number one. If the Green Bay Packers defense is having a hard time slowing down the Bears offense, that's problematic. It doesn't mean we can't beat them. The Bears lost to the Saints 25-36. to right, It's not impossible, but it is unlikely. Let's look at their defensive points the statistics-wise or whatever. Wins and losses. Now, there really isn't any correlation, which is kind of strange, but just looking at the numbers... There are only five teams that have scored 20 or more points. To make it more dramatic sounding, there are only four teams that have scored more than 20 points. To make it even more dramatic, only one team this year has scored more than 24 points this year. Now, 24 points is sort of the magic number for the Packers. That's what I've been saying. As the weeks go on, that become less and less true. But three teams have scored 24 points, and the Packers have scored 24 points. So in four games this year, 24 points has been a thing. Again, that's becoming less true over time. There's now three teams that have only scored 16 points, so that's kind of a number now. But the point is that's relatively impressive. So if I were to look at this from the Bears' standpoint in terms of points, the Packers' defense has got to do a a pretty good job of trying to keep the Bears under 20 points. Ideally, 16 or less, because again, the the Bears are 2-4 and when they only score 16 or less points. That seems like a tall order. And it is, but if this is the same Bears defense, excuse me, the same Bears offense that we've been seeing all year against this pass rush, and yeah, I'll even say against this, this deep defensive back group, which gives up a little bit here and there, but overall is pretty solid, points-wise that is, right? Yeah, so he gets the big play over here or there or whatever, but 16 points, we're talking you know, more than two touchdowns in this game. Defensively, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, to, to give you some idea of what I mean by there's no real correlation here, the, the second most amount of points anyone scored against the Bears was 24 points, and they beat the Dallas Cowboys scoring 31. Likewise, the second lowest amount of points any team has ever scored against the Bears this year was the Green Bay Packers, and that was a loss. Now, if we call that an outlier, we can technically say 15 points is kind of the line, which again is very, very low, but it, it makes sense, right? So 15, 16 points is kind of where the Bears are at. If they score more than 16 points, they got a good shot. If the opponent scores more than, than 16 points, they're in trouble. So over 15 points, or we can say 16 because it, it doesn't change the numbers at all. Over that 16-point mark, the Bears are 2 and 5. 15 points or less, so below the 16-point mark, they're 5 and 1. So the Packers need to get above 16. They need to try to keep the Bears below 16. That's kind of that break-even point. Now, if we match this up with the Packers statistics, fortunately for us, as much as things seem dire, this is actually really, really impressive what the Packers have done. First of all, there's only three games in which the Packers have scored less than 20 points. They lost two of those games. 
to make it even more dramatic, because I, you know, I guess I didn't even know this. To to really put a point on this thing, the Packers are nine and one when they've scored twelve points or more. The only game that they lost in which the offense was even slightly competent was the Eagles game, twenty-seven to thirty-four. This is actually, I mean, I'm 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 beyond impressed with it. We could talk about problems all we want. This this really is actually pretty incredible. It speaks to number one, the Packers' abilities on offense, because twenty points isn't the easiest thing in the world to get, and they've gotten to twenty points almost every single game. They've been above 25 points in five of their games. 27 against the Broncos, against the Eagles, uh, 31 against the Giants and Chiefs, 34 against the Cowboys, and 42 against the Raiders. That's not an incompetent offense. Now, to to be even more specific, there isn't a direct correlation with the the Packers' defense and wins and losses. The Packers are 0-3 when a team has scored more than 25 points. The Chargers scored 26, the Eagles scored 34, and the 49ers scored 37. So the, the there is definitely a line at 25 points, or I guess 24, I said, was the magic number, technically above 24 also. So above 24, which is the magic number, the Packers lose. The amazing thing, and this is, this is what highlights how good the defense has been, is that's only happened three times this year that a team has scored more than 24 points. 24 isn't that big of a number. They've, the, the, the opponents have scored 24, 24, 24 for the Raiders, Cowboys, and Chiefs. The Lions got 22, the, and, and by the way, less than 20, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 times this year. About half of the games that the Packers have played, teams have scored less than 20 points. I mean, come on, man, that's a pretty good defense. We're talking about a Green Bay Packers defense that has allowed less than 20 points in half of these games. I mean, it, it seems ridiculous that we would keep a team under... under uh, you know, 16 or less. Six games so far this year, teams have scored 16 points or less, which is the magic number for the Bears. The Broncos, the Panthers, the Vikings, the Redskins, the Giants, and the Bears once before. Six games, 16 points or less. Beyond that, there is definitely a correlation between home and away games in terms of how well the defense does. Teams that have scored 24 points or more, four of them were on the road, only two were at home. 24 points with the Raiders and, 20, and 34 points with the Eagles, those were at home. Less than 24 points, five of those games were at home, two of them were on the road. And that was the Bears and the Giants, which was 13-3, and three, the two lowest. So again, just looking at this statistically, and I know anything is possible. The Bears could come in and absolutely stomp out the Packers like it's nothing. Outliers happen every single week, but I'm just trying to look at this statistically. Only two times this year... Has a team come into Lambeau Field and scored? Well, I, let's do it this way. Only three times has somebody come into Lambeau Field and scored more than 20 points. Only twice more than 24 points. Well, technically, only once more than 24 points. That was the Eagles. Do we think the Bears are at that level? The Broncos, the Panthers, the Vikings, and the Redskins came to Lambeau Field. Only one of them scored more than 20 points. That was the Detroit Lions, who got to 22. Do we think the Bears are going to come into Lambeau Field? and be the one team that really takes it to this defense. And again, remember, the, so the Bears, to take, and, and there's a big discrepancy, because for the Bears, their goal is to try to get to about 16 to 20 points, and they got a pretty good shot of winning. So let's say 20. However, for the Packers, no team has beaten the Green Bay Packers that hasn't reached 26. You have to get above 24 points to beat the Packers. Are the Bears going to get above 24? And even if we use the the Bears numbers, because we say, okay, maybe the Packers aren't going to get that high. Are the Bears going to get above 16? I mean, can you actually envision this game being 20 to 15 Bears win? It's possible, but I, I, I just, it's so unlikely to me. And again, that's why I've been trying to dispel this hype stuff. And I don't like it. 
I don't want the Packers buying into the hype and starting to get down on themselves, and I don't need the Bears getting all hyped up either. This is a terrible Bears offense coming into a really tough situation against an offense that is pretty automatic for at least 20 points and a defense that is real stingy, especially at home. I do believe the Packers, despite the Bears having a good um, defense, I think the Packers are going to surpass 24 points. I think the Bears are going to have a real hard time getting there. Now, I've been saying... I've done a couple of Bears interviews. The, the, the answer that I gave for my prediction was 24-20. That's giving the Bears offense a lot of credit. And the only reason I'm really doing that is because I just have a hard time believing this isn't going to be a close game. But the numbers on this are just so disparate. Again, the Bears typically win if they get to 20 points, but that's only because the defense has done such a good job of keeping teams down, and I just don't think the Packers are going to be held to 16 or less points at Lambeau Field, a noon game in December. Aaron Rodgers is a machine. I know last week wasn't as great as week, but just typically speaking, a noon game in December at home, that's just, that's rough territory. Anyways, looking at a few others, um, obviously there's going to be generally a correlation between yards. I don't know how much this is going to apply to the Packers because the Packers are somewhat of an anomaly to where they allow a lot of yards and not a lot of points. However, there is a correlation, so we'll talk about it. For the Bears, my computer's just going to blow up any second. I'm sorry if you can hear that space laser sound, but it's about 270 total yards. At 270 yards, the Bears are 6-1. They're 1-5 when they're under 270 yards. So that's a pretty strong correlation, something to kind of keep an eye on. But again, if there's a team that's going to buck that trend, it's going to be the Packers who give up a lot of yards, don't allow points in the end, and, and thus and such. Passing yards tend to be a little bit less of a correlation. I think the Bears have been kind of, Bears fans especially, have been kind of upset, similar to what Packers fans have been saying, in which they need to run the ball more. They're trying to put everything on Mitch Trubisky, who is not a very good quarterback, and, and typically running the ball is just a better indication of wins and losses. So just to give you an idea of the lack of a trend for passing yards, I mean, I can make one, but it's, it's, there's really nothing there. Under 150 yards passing, the Bears are 2-1. and one. Over 200 yards passing, the Bears are 4-3. and three. So eh, there's really nothing there. Running the ball, however, over 80 yards, the Bears are 4-1. and one. Excuse me, 5-1. and one. If they rush for under 80 yards, which is a surprising amount of the time, they're 2-5. and five. And under 65 yards, they're 0-4. So they need to try to run the ball a lot more than they are. They are 23rd right now in rushing attempts. They're 29th in rushing yards. Even worse, they're 30th in yards per attempt. So that's actually good news for us. Because it's not just as simple as saying they should run the ball more. Because the fact of the matter is they're not that effective when they're doing it. They're the third worst team in football in terms of getting yards on the ground. Not that it's much better at passing yards. Net yards per attempt passing is 28th. But the fact of the matter is I think this is a team that needs to try to establish the run a little bit more. The problem is the catch-22 is the more they run, the more they get themselves into third and long, the less likely they are to get third down or first downs, the more the less likely they are to get points. It's just a, sn- a snowball effect. So it's, I mean, that's, what do you do, right? This is Matt Nagy's problem. This is what he has to try to sift through. And Bears fans hate Matt Nagy because they think he's the problem. I'm not 100% on that bandwagon. I don't know if I buy that. I don't think he has anything to work with. Maybe they're right. Maybe Matt Nagy is doing a terrible job. I'm sure he's made some mistakes and made some bad, poor decisions. But you look at just that one thing that I mentioned, that's a tough thing to navigate. We need to run the ball more, but the more we run the ball, the worse we are. But the more we get yards, the more likely we are to win. So what do we do? The only real answer to the question is you need to run the ball well. And that's not something you can super control. Of course, you always want to run the ball well. So for the Packers, this, this, the point is 
Don't let them run the ball well. If they run the ball well, they begin to establish the run. They establish the run, they run more. And if they begin running more and doing it effectively, the odds of them winning go up exponentially. And the Packers, we, we know, are not very good against the run. 4.7 yards per attempt is what they're giving up. They're 27th in the NFL. It's not good. Um, turnovers, usually the, the biggest correlations usually are with points and turnovers. Um, it's definitely important that the Packers at least get one turnover because the Bears are actually 3-0 and when they don't turn the ball over. Now, granted, it's only three times they haven't turned the ball over, but it is significant that they have not lost a game in which the ball doesn't get turned over. And one of those games was against the Minnesota Vikings, which is a game you would not expect them to win. So if you don't want to lose a game that you shouldn't lose, you can't allow outlier type things to happen. This is a team that does not run the ball well. Don't let this be the game that they run the ball well. This is a team that turns the ball over a lot. Don't be one of those teams that doesn't get a turnover. Now, they actually don't do it very um, often. The most they've turned the ball over in a game is twice. So most teams, you know, there's there's a game in there where there's three, four, five turnovers or whatever. The most the Bears have ever turned the ball over is twice, so that's somewhat low. But they're going to do it at least once almost every game. So the Packers need to be ready for that one opportunity to flip the field and take the ball away. In five games this year, they turned the ball over once. In five games this year, they turned the ball over twice. You have to be ready for those opportunities. Because, listen, when the Packers aren't doing well, it's always just a little thing. There was there was a drop, you know, Jay Sternberger's drop in the end zone. Just I mean, it's just a little thing, right? Thinking the, the play is a run and blocking when you're supposed to be running a route. That's, that's a little thing, but it just ruined the drive. Having an interception hit you in the chest and fall is the kind of thing that can make the difference between winning and losing. Because at the end of the day, this this whole thing, the, the Packers winning a Super Bowl comes down to one thing, and that's just playing good, solid, fundamental football and not making silly mistakes. They have a good enough roster. They do. A lot of teams have a good enough roster. Again, I don't know how many times I've said it, but the Patriots have won the Super Bowl with with not the greatest roster in football pretty much every year that they've won the Super Bowl. There's always somebody that has a much better, more powerhouse-type offense and a much better defense. But the Patriots just play solid, fundamental football, and that's the one thing the Packers are missing. Now, they, they do tighten up at the right times, which emulates a very similar kind of thing. It looks similar. So in other words, instead of just getting a three and out to begin with, they'll allow a team to drive all the way down the field and then play solid football where they'll stop you at the goal line or they'll get that pick in the end zone or whatever and force a field goal. But they need to be able to do that more consistently. Stop making silly mistakes is really all this comes down to. Make better decisions, call better plays, make the tackle when it's in front of you, all that simple stuff. Because they, they've got talent like you wouldn't believe. Well, you would. You should know exactly who the talent Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga, Aaron Jones. I mean, even Corey Lindsley and Elton Jenkins are pretty solid. Zadarius Smith is probably the best pass rusher in football right now and and based on certain statistics he might be one of the best that we've seen in years and that sounds ridiculous but it's not hard for me to make that case and I will happily make that case I've basically already done it I'd be happy to do it again Preston Smith is absolutely dominant Um, Kenny Clark Jair Alexander Adrian Amos I mean these guys at their best even Kevin King at, at their best this team is just beyond capable of winning a Super Bowl. It's just about tighten up, man. That's it. Tighten up. Get that pick. Get those two picks. They're going to be there, especially a team that has as good of a pass rush as the Packers have. The opportunities are going to be there to get that turnover, whether it's a a forced fumble that gets turned over or an errant pass because of pressure or just because it's Mitch Trubisky, whatever. But you got to be there to make the the interception. You got to get the turnover. Um, some other correlations looking at the defense, there isn't much by way of total yards, but as far as passing yards, there seems to be a correlation right at around 250 yards. So if Aaron Rodgers gets to about 250 yards against this Bears defense, the Bears, wait a minute, 
This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. When teams are over 250 yards against the Bears, the Bears are 5-1. and one. <laughs> When teams throw for less than 250 yards, the Bears are 2-5. and five. What? <laughs> I've never seen something like that in my life. I don't understand. That is, that's, that's weird. So, hopefully Rodgers has an off day? I, I don't, I don't know where to go with that. I saw a correlation. I'm like, oh, here's one. And then I realized, wait a minute, <laughs> that's entirely upside down. Now, looking at rushing yards, this is a very strong correlation in the correct direction. Now, the Bears defense has given up a lot by way of rushing yards. Statistically, they're seventh in rushing yards allowed. And that's a lot of that has to do with certain teams just doing absolutely nothing. Chargers got 36, Vikings got 40, Packers got 47. There's a lot of real low games here. However, in six games this year, they've allowed over 100 yards rushing. Now, this is a pretty high bar, but it's a correlation, so I'll tell you anyway. At 110 yards and over, teams are 4-0 and against the Bears. Under 110 yards, the Bears are 7-2. and So, Aaron Jones, let's hope, has a big day. And let's also not forget, the Bears are missing their two linebackers. So the Packers are going to come out probably wanting to run, especially after last week. Now, the Bears like to play press man, or at least their defensive coordinator does. I don't think the corners like it very much. But I think you come out and you try to run the ball, and you see if they're going to try to stack the box. Because that's what most teams do. That's why the Packers have been caught off guard. They're expecting you to load the box and play tight against the the wide receivers, because that seems to be an effective strategy. The Washington Redskins threw them for a loop and didn't do that. So come out and try to run, and if you see them doing what other teams have been doing fine then we'll then we'll drop back and and throw the ball a little bit but if Aaron Jones can get to that 110 yard mark again Bears are 0 and 4 protecting the ball this is the final correlation we'll look at uh the Bears are 1 and 3 when they don't get a turnover so protect the ball and you got a real good shot when teams turn the ball over they are 6 and 3 so again turnovers are usually pretty high correlation we've heard coaches talk about this Mike McCarthy talked about it all the time turnovers are extremely important in terms of wins and losses so anyways why don't we take a break and we'll come back and look at a few other things. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the first thing I think I want to address, and and hopefully it's something that the Packers are going to be looking a little bit closer at, is the comments made by Nathaniel Hackett essentially saying that they were caught off guard by the Washington Redskins, which is understandable. Um, You have a pretty good idea exactly what a team's going to do, and then they do the exact opposite. I'm sure that's going to happen on occasion. The biggest issue is why couldn't you adjust for that? And look, maybe it's because it's on a down-to-down basis. I, I mentioned the example... I don't know, a day or two ago, let's just say it's it's third and four or even you know third and three or whatever, and you come out in what appears to be a run-heavy look, and you're going to try to convince them that you're going to run, but you intend to pass on this third down down. And given the success of the run game, despite the fact that they've been dropping eight a lot, this is a very common running situation, and they haven't been able to stop Aaron Jones, so we're going to pass the ball, assuming that they're going to play run. We snap the ball, they drop eight. Now, even in that situation, I think you got to look at it and say, we're getting too cute. They're committing to stopping the pass despite the fact that we're running the ball a lot and we're doing it effectively. My position on this is that you do what works until they adjust. We, we, we were winning. I mean, well, we won the game. But the, the point is, 
in that scenario, if that's the game, you have to prove you can stop me before we adjust, that's fine. The problem is we never adjusted to begin with. They come out and play eight consistently. It's like, all right, fine. we're just going to run the ball down your throat nonstop. And I know we got a lot of yards on the ground, and that's all great. But I'm talking about if you got a guy like Aaron Jones, and he's ripping off, I don't know, 8.4 yards per carry is about what he was getting. He should have more than 16 carries. I know typically on a, on a season-long basis, he's not a 20-plus carry guy. But you got guys like Ezekiel Elliott that on, on certain games, if things are rolling, he'll carry the ball about 30 times. I don't see any reason why in this situation, if you're playing a team that can't stop the run and they're dropping eight, that Aaron Jones doesn't get 25 carries in that game. Because realistically, although 834 yards on the ground is awesome, and I'm not at all complaining about it, I'm just saying there's no reason he shouldn't have had over 200 yards in this game. He didn't have enough opportunity. And I think you have a Packers team that said they're probably going to play the run, so we have to be able to pass the ball and pass the ball effectively. The problem is when they're dropping eight consistently, and even again, even go back to that that third and three situation where we're pretty sure they're going to stack the box and try to stop us. So what? Prove you can do it first before we run away from it. We're trying to get too cute. We're trying to play chess a little bit too much. We're running the ball effectively. Therefore, they're going to try to stack the box. Therefore, we're going to try to pass the ball. Ooh, we're going to trick them. Don't trick them. Just beat them. And I know, listen, I, I'm, I'm kind of not making sense because the whole thing with Matt LaFleur is he's just all about beat him and sometimes you got to trick him. I, I think Matt LaFleur is maybe a little bit too far to the other side. Nathaniel Hackett is a little bit too hard to the other fi- side where we're trying to be too tricky and sometimes you're just dominant. You're just better than the guy across from you. Look, if, if, if Alan Lazard is just uncoverable, keep throwing to him. And, and when they've done that, it's worked, right? The, the, what, what game was that where he kind of broke out when Aaron Rodgers was like, look, let's just give him a shot. And it worked, and they stuck with it, and boom, there you go. If Devontae can't be stopped, run with it. If Aaron Jones is having success to the point where he's having over eight yards per carry, just grind him into the dust. You know, spell him once in a while with Jamal, I don't know, but again, and I know he's not really built for this, but 25 carries in these situations, and the whole goal of this is, I don't even know if he ever gets to 25 carries, because at some point, Washington has to adjust. Washington has to say, we're just, they're grinding the clock down to nothing. They're, they're getting first downs left and right just by running the ball consistently. They're killing us on the ground. We have to make adjustments. Then when they adjust, we adjust. We go back to the original game plan, which is throwing, but only after they adjust away from what they're doing. Otherwise, we're just playing into their strengths. Well, we, we plan to throw the ball, so that's what we're going to do. I mean, our goal was to come out and throw well, so we're going to have to do it, even though they're dropping eight. No. We're not going to throw the ball right now. I mean, obviously you throw and run consistently no matter what, but we're going to hammer the run until they adjust. We're going to force you to change your game plan because you made a mistake, and they did. That's a dumb plan. We're going to drop eight. Every Listen, the Packers have been figured out. Teams know what to do. Stack the box, stop Aaron Jones, double up Devontae, force Aaron Rodgers to throw to some of these other guys who have a really hard time getting open. And the challenge for the Packers has been trying to get those guys into a rhythm enough so that we can continue to win the game. And that's the, the problem. Washington came out and was dumb. They said, oh, we're just going to drop eight. We should have just run the ball. Again, just keep running at eight yards a carry until they change their mind. I, I don't understand the mentality of, oh, we weren't expecting this. Oh, well, I guess we have to fight through it. W- what is that? How are game plans so concrete that you can't adjust them? I don't understand that. Isn't it just play calling? I know we've been practicing throwing the ball a lot. I get that. But we know how to run the ball, don't we? Like, it kind of stinks that we maybe wasted a a whole day trying to draw up certain, like, passing plays that we're going to try to set up. But things have changed. 
and and in a way it's a positive because they've changed in a way that make it even easier for us. All we have to do is run the ball more. Like let's not completely obliterate what we've done. We'll get back to that, but we've got to get them out of this eight men in coverage stuff. And we're going to do that by just dominating them on the ground, which is, I mean, absolute best case scenario. What could be better than just dominating a, a team on the ground, wearing out their defense, burning up the clock and getting a bunch of points and keeping your defense fresh so that when they finally get the ball back, we just dominate them. Just bury their quarterback right in the dirt. Get the ball back and grind them down again. I mean, this is this is a great game plan. We just refuse to play it the right way. I, I, I don't get it. Well, we have Aaron Rodgers. We have to stop that. I'm so tired of that. Well, when you got Aaron Rodgers, you got to. You don't have to do jack. I don't care who your quarterback is. Play smart football. This, this is, this is what leads to all those conspiracy theories about why the offense is better without Devontae. And you know what? This is why there might be some truth to it. Not because Devontae actually makes the offense worse, but because people get dumb. When you have superstars, some people just get so locked into it. Well, we got Aaron Rodgers and we got Devontae, so we just have to, Aaron Rodgers has to throw to Devontae all the time. You know how easy that is to defend? Whereas when Devontae's gone, what happens? It makes it really hard for defensive coordinators to figure out what exactly to do because there's no one person that's being keyed in on, which makes the offense better, which makes the defense, you know, not as effective. Now, you can still do that when Devontae's on the field. Just try to treat Devontae like an equal. And it will so happen that he ends up being open more often than some of these other guys, and you'll end up throwing it to him more often. But if you get so zoned in on the guy because he's so good, you're going to lose. And it's not like this has never happened before. Um, Matt Stafford became a much better quarterback, and I would argue the offense maybe even got a little bit better when Megatron left. Not because Megatron made it worse, but because Matt Stafford was just kind of psycho about having to throw to him all the time because he's so good. Triple coverage? Oh, well, he'll probably get it anyways. I'm going to launch it up to him. And the the team became so one-dimensional. And I don't mean one-dimensional like passing all the time. I mean one-one-one-dimensional. Like we're going to throw it and it's going to be to one guy all the time. And when he left, he started distributing the ball around everywhere. And it became harder to defend that. His stats got better. He just became, instead of just this one-dimensional just robot that just throws it to one guy all the time, he started looking like a competent quarterback. Imagine that. So I'm not trying to feed into those conspiracy theories. I'm not trying to say we should get rid of Devontae, none of that stuff. We just got to stop being dumb and start using our resources properly. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback. If running the ball is the best option we have, do it. The the, the very simple way to put this is you have to have a counterpunch. And if Aaron Rodgers is your counterpunch, dude, you are dangerous. But when, when you basically just tie one hand behind your back and you're just trying to throw Aaron Rodgers haymakers all day long, you're going to get knocked out. And then you got people sitting around going, oh, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? What's wrong with this team? You can't even win with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is washed up. No. People are just dumb about how we're using him. Because we're still in this Mike McCarthy mindset where it's like, well, we've got the guys. We should be able to execute. Just execute. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae, boom, just do it. And Aaron Rodgers gets stuck in that. He thinks he's better than he is. I should be able to overcome everything. They're dropping eight in coverage, and we got three guys bracketing Devontae, but I could probably squeeze it in there. Stop. Again, counterpunch. It's about. It's always about counterpunch. If they stack the box, then you counterpunch with Aaron Rodgers, and that is a heck of a strong counterpunch. If they're dropping eight, you counterpunch with Aaron Jones. That's going to knock somebody out. But instead, what are we doing? Somebody's got their guard up. They got their elbows up way too high, and we're trying to hit him in the head. Hit him low. No, I got to get the knockout blow, man. We got to go right for his nose. Because that's how you knock a guy out through the nose, obviously. But it's, just, it's, it's it's dumb. And and again, I don't understand the process, and I'm not trying to pretend I do. And maybe it's more nuanced and all this stuff. But it, I, I think people just overthink it. 
I don't care what your game plan was. If they're dropping eight, run the ball. What are you complaining about? 16 carries, 134 yards. Because it should have been 25 carries for 210 yards. That's why. And if they stop dropping eight and they start stacking the box so that now we're only running for three yards per carry, guess what? Counterpunch with Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are your counterpunch, what do you do? The problem is we don't play that game. We come in and say, this is our plan, and we run with it. And then the other team has a plan. And it's like, oh, gee, that stinks. I'm trying to punch him in the head, and he's blocking his head. <laughs> well, guess we got to punch harder. What? What is wrong with you? I almost chipped a tooth right there. It's infuriating. And again, Malafleur's whole thing is should be about take what the defense gives you and set them up for one thing, and and it's it's to find the weak spot. But he's trying to be too creative. He's trying to build his own weak spots with this. You know, we're gonna run to set up the pass. There's nothing out there. They're dropping eight in coverage. There's not a space anywhere on the field to throw the ball. I don't care how creative you are. There's no space. Their whole defense is out in coverage. Run the ball! Oh, I didn't see that coming. It caught us off guard. You mean in the third quarter you were still caught off guard? You mean by the fourth quarter you're sitting there going, wow, they dropped eight? Oh, I didn't see that coming. Gorsh. I feel like maybe you should have seen it coming by now. I don't know. Like, maybe you kind of know that they're going to do it because they've been doing it the whole game. And it's kind of embarrassing that it's still working because we keep still trying to throw when they drop eight. Washington probably came out with the assumption that we're going to start off this way to catch them off guard, and then when we when they adjust, we'll adjust. But the Packers never adjusted. So Washington's just sitting there going, I guess we'll just keep doing it because they just keep throwing. So, all right. I don't know. I, you know, again... Maybe I'm missing some kind of nuance, but in my mind, that's a lame excuse. You're, 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 the way you structure things is garbage. If you can't adjust to say we're going to run the ball a little bit more because it's so rigid the way that we run things, you need to loosen that up. If they're dropping eight, we're running the ball. We're going to hurt you if you dare to give us that much room on the ground. And I know it's not every play they were dropping eight. Sometimes they weren't, and then you get caught and whatever, and you think you're going to get them. I get that, but just commit to it. We're so scared to commit to the run. But we got Aaron Rodgers. What if we commit to the run and they keep loading up the box and then we didn't, we're going to regret not giving it to Rodgers? Look, I love Aaron Rodgers. He deserves a lot of credit. But some of this stuff is just ridiculous. I don't care if it's Rodgers, Mahomes, Brett Favre, Johnny Unitas, Dan Marino. I, I don't care. This is how good players make you a bad team because we're so obsessive. He's so good. Relax. It's like an overeager guy trying to pick up a lady at the bar. Dude, she's like a 10. Yeah, and you know what? If you don't relax, your odds go from like 1% to, to flat out zero. I mean, you don't have much of a shot to begin with, but you are like a psychopath right now. You realize you've been staring at her for like five minutes, right? Okay, that's a problem, number one. Maybe knock that off right now. That, that, I mean, that's how everybody acts around Aaron Rodgers. That's how coaches act around Aaron Rodgers. Like, oh, we got to use him. We got to use And Aaron Rodgers does that with Devontae. Like, oh, it's Devontae, Devontae. Got to give the ball to Devontae. I love Devontae. Dude, I get he's good, man. But we're, we're making ourselves a really garbage offense, and that's unnecessary because we're a really good offense. And we have so much talent, and we're just using it really, really in an ineffective kind of a way. Again, going back to what the Patriots do, they don't have a lot of good pieces, but they don't need them because they're smart. They're all about the counterpunch. If you're playing man, we're going to run this play and this guy will be open. If you're playing zone, we're going to do this and this guy will be open. We're just going to wait to see what you do, and we're going to take these mediocre players 
and we're going to tell them what to do, and they're going to be in the right spot, and then we're going to throw a pass to them, and then it's going to be a first down. It's all about, we're going to see what you're doing, and then we're going to hurt you for doing that because that was a dumb thing to do. Because no matter what your play is, we have a play that beats that play. And we're going to do, exhaust all our resources in trying to figure out what play you're running so that we call a play that beats that play. And for the most part, if we find out if you're in man or zone, we pretty much got it narrowed down already. But the Packers are all just, I, you know, I don't really care. I mean, I kind of care what the defense is doing. But, I mean, how many times does Rodgers just uncork a pass deep? I mean, and I've talked about this before. Third and three, and he's not even worried about the, the primary receiver because we got a great, there's a, there's a linebacker over there on Alan Lazard. I'm throwing the go route. We're going to get a 40-yard touchdown. He's like, dude, whoa. Let's, let's, can we just get the first? No, this is a touchdown. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, but I feel like this is a good play call because Aaron Jones is going to run this and he's going to be open and then we'll get a first down and then we can keep keep playing. Yeah, but this is a great match. This is automatic. And then he gets bumped off his route and the safety shades to that side and he realizes, oops, that's not open. And now the route that was open three yards down the field that would have been a first down, that's covered up. And now we're scrambling around trying to figure out what to do. Aaron Rodgers throws it away and it's fourth down. Just play intelligent. Stop getting all caught up in the, in the glitzy, glamoury thing. We're all caught up in the shiny object. Ooh, Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, Devontae. Ooh. Play smart football. Because otherwise we're just wasting the talent. You got to play it cool. Play casual, right? Play a little hard to get. Devontae. I don't even know Devontae. Who's Devontae? Oh, that guy? Yeah, you know, he's pretty good. He's all right. Maybe I'll throw it to him one of these times. I don't know. I don't even care. Throw the ball with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I don't know. Probably just run the ball. I don't even know if we're going to throw it today. It's no big deal. Got to play it cool, man. Then you counter punch. Probably a weird mix of analogies. By the way, young guys, don't don't get those confused. Don't punch the, the, and and you know at the bar. <laughs> Play it cool and then boom, counter punch. Keep the analogies in the appropriate context, please. <laughs> Anyways, I think we've reached the appropriate amount of um, ridiculous, and you get the point, right? I'm not saying it's a bad offense. It's a very good offense. I'm just saying it's not as good as it should be because we get a little too laser focused in certain areas. Matt LaFleur is too laser-focused on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers too focused on Devontae. And even when defenses are giving us the answer, we just refuse. Come on now. If they're going to give it to us, just take it. It's free money. Just just literally just take it. But anyways, we'll look at more of the uh, injury-type stuff and kind of get the final analysis tomorrow on, on what's going on. Look at some of the other games. But uh, otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.